Hello and welcome to the first episode of Time to Talk Titanic with myself, Aaron Flanagan, and co-host Louis Marcus. I said that way too early, sorry. I don't know what I said. <laughs> I got nervous. I got nervous. Go again, Louis. Have your moment. Hello. <laughs> there you go. There's Louis. <laughs> like a pro, like a champ. Oh, yeah. So... Today, we are going to be talking about the 1997 epic by James Cameron. I think epic is an understatement. Epic is an understatement. I was trying to think of a really sarcastic ship name that I could say there. But it's Titanic. We all know it's Titanic. You know, one day it might make a Costa Concordia. Who knows? But we, yes, we are going to be talking about... The Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> Poseidon Adventure. Titanic. So, yeah, excited to get into it. And where to begin, Louis? Oh, well, I think the best place to start, as many people would agree, is probably the beginning. Um, but I think to, to save time, we can we can we can skip past all the the sort of future stuff. Not not future, but you know the modern day scenes, uh, and just get straight into yep. to the the history and the you know the the nineteen twelve scenes. And uh, before we start, yeah. actually, I wanted to I wanted to mention something to you, which I. I don't know how I um I haven't mentioned this to you before because uh, it stood my family in Titanic and it's just it's just one of those things that I don't know I just assumed I've already told you mm-hmm. um and that uh hey, let me see six let me just uh see it was actually a message that my mum sent to me uh yeah so my grandfather um told my mum that that he saw the Titanic. And basically, from the beginning, he warned everyone that the ship was going to sink, and and no one was was listening to him. Uh, he, he went around and was warning everyone. Wow. And uh, he warned him. On, he warned him. On, he warned him on uh, several occasions. You know, this ship is going to sink. Um, what made him think that? Was it the size of the ship? Did he think? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, that's just. I, I honestly don't know. But he was running around saying the ship's going to sink. It's going to sink, and. You know, he warned them on several occasions until eventually he got kicked out of the cinema. <laughs> so bad. <sighs> Louis. <laughs> Louis. 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 <laughs> I... So, 1997's epic Titanic. Um... Louis, I, I don't even have words. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, wow. Spoil, spoiler alert, it sinks. <laughs> Christ. I was not expecting that. I was like, wow, that's, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, and you were saying grandfather, but I was like, I assume he just means great, great, great grandfather. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. You know, <laughs> he's just he's just shaved off a few crates there. Like, it's no biggie. I was just reading it off the that's, <laughs> that's so... I hope you know I'm going to use that. Oh, like Because right. people know I'm into Titanic, so I'm going to be like, by the way... And they'll be, like, quite invested, because, well, oh, this must be good, because, like, Aaron's, you know... They won't be expecting me to come out with that. And just like I wasn't expecting you to come out with that, and I've now stolen that, and I will use that. Well, Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's, that's my new party piece. <laughs> So I think we can start with the 1997 mm-hmm. film, the, the opening scene, the amazing scene. You know, you've got that that transition from the, the shipwreck as the, the camera pans to the right and it slowly fades into the modern day. And you've got Southampton, you've got the docks, you've got the people, the crowd, the cars, 
and mm. most importantly, the ship, which is there. And I, I think what's most impressive about that, which I'm sure you're aware, and many other people that are going to listen to this, is that that whole scene is just mirrored. Like, yep. they built the right side of the ship and went, wait, but they docked on the left and just mirrored it, got everyone backwards uniforms. and Because they had to build the side of the ship where, as they were filming on it, the opposite side, so the side looking past, it would have ocean in the yeah. background, so it would just be... The ocean. And so obviously the side with the ship would be, you know, there was like vans, cars, mm. like lights, all that kind of thing, so... But that is incredible, and they even put Kate Winslet's mole... Yes, on the other side. On the opposite side of her face, it's... which is just a, an attention to detail that's just and, uh, commendable. I noticed today for the first time as well, if you, you look on the bridge wing... Um, you've, you've got, obviously you've got the, the port light, which is red and the starboard, which is green. And obviously they filmed it on the right side. So that would have been a green light, but they've even changed that. They've even changed the light on the set to make sure it's the right color. So that people know, okay, this is the port. This is the left. That's good. It is incredible. I do, even before you get to Southampton, Mm. um, the fact that they used, you know, so they used real footage of the submersibles over the real wreck. Yeah. But then they also had a large model of the ship mm. on the ceiling. Yeah. And moved a little mini submersibles over that. And so they kind of used the two so that they can get shots that, okay, they, they actually couldn't get on the wreck, but they want yeah. them for the narrative of the story. Yeah. Um, and that even James Cameron himself was filled sometimes with some of them. Like, he thought they were real, but they yeah. were actually... And they'd filled the room with smoke yeah. as well. I feel like some of them, you, you can tell, if you look close enough, you can see mm-hmm. um, that with some shots, the camera's a bit shakier than the others, and you can tell that that's someone holding the camera and their hand's a little bit shaky as they're going over the miniature. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a few... If, if you've got that eye and you're kind of... Not even necessarily if you're looking for it, but probably if someone said to you, you know, some of them are real, some are a model. Could you figure out what ones? Yeah. Probably someone could. Mm. Um, and, and the different the techniques that they would use to get the wood to look like it had been underwater for a long time, like they'd, they'd burn them, which is just really yeah. interesting because you think, right, how do I make something look like it's been wet for 100 years? Yeah. Set, up, set it on fire. On fire. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, it's, it's really, really commendable, mm. the fact that they were able to make the model sets, the wood... Yeah, look like that. Um, it, the model's just amazing. I, I actually wonder where that particular model is now that they used for the the underwater submersible shots. Hmm. In fact, I don't know where the where the large no. models are now. I no. I think they're at the uh, there's there's the Fox Studios which you can you can tour at, and they, I believe they've got a Titanic section which has got some parts of the set still remaining, um, hmm. including the the stateroom which. Uh, Rose and Cal shared, uh, I believe right, that's, okay. that's that's there, or at least a mock up of it. Um, but I know they they have got one of the models there. I believe it's the the million dollar shot model, you know, the the main model that they had. Yeah, because that would be a shame if they were to get you know destroyed or mm. recycled. That would be just awful. But I, yeah, I don't think they did. Well, it's the same right. It's the same same fate that happened to the the Razor Titanic model. Is that they've just left it in molds at the studio, and people have offered to mm-hmm. buy it, and that they've refused. And this model, which was, you know, it it was historically accurate to a point until they started adding things to it to make it look more like the ship they filmed on. But now it's just a a 
a brown crumbled mess yeah. left out in the sun mm-hmm. and they're still refusing to let people buy it or to save it it's really sad that is that is sad yeah so if they make another titanic film they might as well just put that model into a water tank and film that because it's a a rusted hunk yeah anyway so no, you know, if they, job done if they did one now it would be cgi wouldn't it oh yeah it, it would, would be, be. It, would be CGI. it would be which is a shame because nowadays okay everyone wants uh, a return for their money yeah in terms of like a movie studio so when james cameron approached the studio and said you know i've seen the the wreck for titanic i've been down there and i've been thinking about it for so long and this is what i want to make and they were like that's going to be really expensive and he was like damn right it is and they were like we don't really want to make that because yeah. who's going to want to come and see something that at that point you know people were over it yeah like there hadn't really been something in terms of a big film in a few decades. And 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 even though the ship had been found, what, 12? Well, at the point that he was pitching it, yeah. say, nine, ten years before, um, there just wasn't a, a huge interest in it. And, and I can see why they were apprehensive about it. Oh, yeah. But they also could trust Jim and being a creative and, th- you know, knowing that he is a creative and that he could make something that was going to draw on an audience. Yeah. But I don't think even he could have predicted the audience that it would bring in. No, not at all. And the fact that it would make that much money and to this day have such a following and mm. be at th- th- one point the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. I don't think he could have even predicted that. No, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah. But then was that because of Drak and Rose? Was that because of um, the drama, of the sinking? I think, it I think the, it's a combination. Yeah, a combination of the two. You know, the cast they had, not just uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, but, you know, the rest of the cast that, that made the ensemble and, and really brought everything to life. Um, I, th- I think, you know, it was, yeah, it was definitely a combination. Totally. Yeah. Completely. Um, I did notice uh, a, a little goof today when I was when I was uh, rewatching it uh, and taking notes is that when uh, Cal opens the door to let Rose out and the camera turns around if you look through the door you can actually see scaffolding at the area where the stern of the ship would be obviously because that section they didn't build the bottom of it they had they had part of the ship up to where the poop deck started and then they didn't cover the side because they thought oh, you're not going to show that and you actually see the scaffolding on camera which uh, I, thought, I thought was just a little little interesting thing that I'd, I'd never seen before. I don't know if it's been covered up in the Blu-ray version. Uh, I was watching it on my phone, which is like an original version, so it's, it's not got all the, the corrections. But I thought that was uh, ah. quite interesting, something that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. I don't even think I've come across that. Um, not that I've, I've not watched them in a long time, but when I was younger on YouTube, there's lots of um, you know Titanic movie mistakes. Yeah. And someone has edited them all together. Yeah. Um, and okay there's a few there's quite a lot there's mm. the reflection of the cameraman with the light on his camera that is a terrible one walking. how did they how did I they know. get that because because you think like it's a camera it's on a pole you can see the man is pushing it and yeah. it's got a light on it it's but then that's got to be jack walking through the door yeah. like it's just it's absolutely ridiculous that they were, they were able to you know pretty much make a ship sink yeah. vertically with people falling off and hitting off railings but they weren't able to fix 
a glass window picking yeah. up reflection. Like, I, I feel like it, it. Like at that point, they were kind of not rushing, but mm. I think there's little things that they were almost like, right, we need to get this into the cinema. But I feel like at that shot, you just cut that shot. Yeah, of just walking through the door. Like they could have just have had him coming in from the point of view of the room, yeah. and not just had him walking through. I get that it's kind of symbolic because you know you mm. want to see it from his point of view. And, yeah, but they they could have you know thought of another way of you know symbolism and showing his potential nerves or you know the the him breaking that divide of coming into first class. Like they could have thought of another way. Yeah, which um, by the way would never have happened on the real Titanic. There's no way he would have got into that class, and no way Rose would have gone down to third class. It's just well, well, I mean, Jack might have had cholera, so could you exactly. imagine, especially with with the the day and age that we're in, if Jack had just spread cholera all around first class, and the ship hadn't sank, that would have... and they got to New York, and Ruth's like, do you know Rose? I think I've got cholera, and Rose <laughs> is just like, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have to raise the yellow flag as they come into port. Oh mother, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we spoke about Jack and Rose. Mm-hmm. We've brought them up. So it seems like a kind of natural point in the conversation to say that I personally, and I've mentioned this too, I like them. Mm-hmm. I like Jack and Rose. I think as a character. So I'll talk with Jack first. So Jack, I've watched a video essay on Jack. Yeah, and it was so interesting because he will forever be. That, you know, why did he have to die? Yeah. It wasn't fair. Rose was selfish, blah, blah, blah. Jack had to die. Oh, like 100%. He, he had a purpose. He served a purpose. He had to die. Yeah. And this video essay that I watched, I can't remember the exact name of the YouTube channel, but I will share it um, in my story one day on Instagram because it's really good. And it talks about the film trope of the manic pixie dream girl. And funnily enough, Kate Winslet played a manic pixie dream girl in 500... No, sorry, not 500 Days of Summer. Zoe Deschanel played one in 500 Days of Summer. But Kate Winslet played a manic pixie dream girl in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. And the trope is basically someone who is either very quirky, very different, um you know, doesn't abide by the rules, kind of does their own thing, is just super confident in whatever they do, seems to get everything they want, and yeah, and and then when they meet the main character of the film, they kind of impart this confidence and this charisma onto them, Yeah, and usually it's someone like Joseph Gordon-Levitt or like Jim Carrey in those respective films, someone who's a bit down on their luck, someone who's a bit depressed, someone who isn't in a good place, and by the end of the film, they are in a better place because they met this character. Yeah. And Jack is a rare example of a manic pixie dream boy. Yeah. Because he has all of these traits and qualities that to almost to the point that you would actually think he didn't exist, like he wasn't real. Wow. And and he was real, he did exist. (laughs) Did he? But well did he well she doesn't even have a photograph of him. Mm -hmm. Um but it was just, it was really interesting. And basically this video essay was saying he he had to die because he, he as, and James Cameron has said as much, his narrative purpose had expired. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a point to be in the film after that because Rose just going on that door was, it, that, that kind of shift. Mm, wasn't a door. Uh, 
well, door wall, yeah, chunk of wall. I said door automatically, but <laughs> I've actually said to lots of people, like, if you look at it, it's not even the shape of a door. It's, a, like, it's not even a rectangle it's, or a square. It's, it's like a weird, a, it's based off jaggy the, the paneling that's above the door in the first class lounge. Yep, which was, um, it was found, wasn't it? It was retrieved. There was a chunk of wall yep. that was actually retrieved from the wreck site, and that's. I believe so, supposedly yeah. what Rose climbed onto, yeah. Which I like the fact that they didn't just have like a random yeah. bit of d- debris. It was like a bit of debris that was like actually a lot found. Of the stuff you saw in the film had a purpose. Completely, totally. Mm. Um, so yeah, the minute she climbed up onto that door, that she he had done his job. He had yeah. made her want to help herself and to live. Also, you made um, a film about the Titanic. It it wouldn't make sense to have a happy ending. You know, it was yeah, that would. It just wouldn't... It's like watching Lake Miz and expecting them to live happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I like Jack as a character. He's fine. But I think Rose... I just think Rose is awesome. I think when, when the ship starts to sink and she goes into, like, total, like, Tomb Raider mode, like, <laughs> she turns into, like, an absolute, like, heroine. I just think that's so cool. I just think the shots of her... And she's feminine. She's still feminine. Yeah. You know, she has her long hair her, you know, dress that's translucent and, like, almost see-through when she's wet. Um, and that big pink coat. I just I just think it's awesome. I think those scenes are just iconic. I think she's such a good yeah. character they, they in are that final... Superb. And I, I have actually got some notes about uh, later on um, in the film uh, for Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even Rose's costumes. Um, I watch... I, I'm a martyr for a video essay. I like a video essay. <laughs> Because I'm into writing and all that kind of thing. And, and you know, one day my dream would be to make a film. Yeah. Um, and even Rose's costumes. So, you know, we first see her in Southampton, which we've spoke about, you know, that scene. Hmm. And she is very constrained. You know, she's wearing yeah. a very tight outfit. She's wearing a huge hat. She's like, you can barely see Rose yeah. past the outfit. And past the costume. That's a this based um, on uh, an actual outfit of the time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the costume designer did a much better job because um, I've seen the photos of the actual. And I suppose at the time in nineteen, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, that would have been very high fashion. It would have looked awesome. Um, but I mean, Kate Winslet just looks absolutely amazing in it. Um, and and she's not, you know, they wanted Gwyneth Paltrow to play Rose. Mm. And I'm so glad they went yeah. with Kate Winslet because she actually has the physique that a young girl of that time would have had. Yeah. You know, she isn't because Gwyneth Paltrow has always been a very petite young woman, but people would have actually been concerned about Gwyneth Paltrow back in 1912. They would have actually thought she was ill. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think Kate Winslet was a really good casting choice. Yeah. Um, so it goes from that costume where she's you know completely and she talks about being caged in feeling trapped mm-hmm. she looks trapped she doesn't look comfortable and her outfits just get more and more um loose and relaxed and freeing as the film progresses yeah to the point where obviously then she doesn't have anything on yeah. you know she's completely naked um and then after that the one outfit she does wear um it's the the brightest outfit she's worn yeah. it's feminine it's light it's transparent. Um, it she can move in it. She can run in it. Yeah. Um. So I I think that that little attention to detail with what she's wearing and how it tells 
the arc of her character is is really interesting as well. I, I liked that a lot. So I like Rose. I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, with, without the Jack and Rose, I I feel like the film wouldn't have been as popular. You know, you've, you've got the people that still... Um, I, I know friends that I'll say, oh, I want to watch Titanic. And like, oh, I'm not watching that. It's got it's got Jack and Rose in. Rose in. But then there's some people that are like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I want to watch it. I really like looking at Leonardo DiCaprio. Or I really like looking at Kate Winslet when they're that age. And the boo Or Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, f- I feel like the, the, the film needed needed Jack and Rose. It, it did. For your, yeah, you're spot on. For an audience in the, you know, meds, 90s mm. they it needed that young draw um to to make the money back to to make all that money you know they were because i don't think originally he wanted it to be a romance when you look at the very early mm. um posters and promotion images for titanic it doesn't show um any it doesn't even show any sky it doesn't show like a romantic sky at sunset yeah. it, it obviously doesn't show Kate and Leo on the bow doing the flying scene. Yeah, it shows um, a very kind of stylized side-on image of the Titanic with the white, yellow, and black of the hull. Yeah, and the the rivets and the bolts are very prominent, and it just has the word Titanic in big, bold, harsh letters. Yeah, going at a like a forty-degree angle. Yeah, and it looks if you were to look at that, you would think it was a film like. Towering Inferno, mm. or you know something really dramatic. I mean, and sent me that one because I, I don't think I've seen that poster. Yeah, I'll need to send you. So it was. It came out like super early. It came out in like nineteen ninety six. Mm. Um, you know, and so your impression would be that they were making something similar to like A Night to Remember. Yeah. Which I must say, excellent film. A Night to Remember. A Night to Remember is fantastic. We should actually we we, we do need to do an episode about. Uh, I need to remember because it is really it good. Is, yeah, I think it is one of my all-time favorite Titanic films. Yeah, it's fantastic. But you would almost you would almost think that James Cameron was making something like that, mm. where it was, uh, okay, melodramatic because yeah. it's you know set in the time that it's set in, and it is a very melodramatic story. You know, just he almost did honest. though. He he almost did. If you watch A Night yeah. to Remember and then watch 1997 Titanic, they are mm-hmm. the. Okay, they're not almost the same film, but there's shots in it that are like almost identical. There's a scene where there's third class coming up to the gate, the gate's locked, one of them runs down, elbows a glass, and takes out an axe and uses that axe to open up the gate. You know, there's um, there's the scene with uh, Thomas Andrews in the lounge, and he's standing there up against the clock, and then there's a young couple sat in the room, and he talks to the young couple, you know, 97 Jack mm. and Rose, he talks to this young couple who are the newlyweds. Um, there's just so many scenes and so many choices that when you look at that film, you're like, wow, he, he's he's obviously a fan. He must be a fan. Yeah. Oh, completely. Absolutely. I think it would be hard to make um, any film about the Titanic without watching A Night to Remember mm. or even, you know, reading Walter Lord's book. Yeah. Because fantastic. it's it's actually, I, I don't read a lot. It's one of the few books I've ever read. Um, and I'm so glad I did read it because it's just fantastic. Yeah. But it's it's hard to make. I mean, even the scene where you know Esme gets into the lifeboat and is lowered down by Murdoch, mm. and there's that kind of long stare from Murdoch before yeah. the boat starts to go down. 
I mean, you would think James Cameron thought, you know, A Night to Remember did it better. I'll just kind of remake that. Yeah. Because James Cameron could have gone the more realistic route. Um, but again, it wouldn't have fit into the kind of his vision of the film. Are you and talking about um, is my being ordered into the boat? Yeah, so so James Cameron could have had Murdoch, yeah, telling Ismay, like forcing Ismay mm. into the boat exactly. after Ismay has helped yeah. passengers on because it's not, you know, I spoke about it in mm. the essay I wrote that I think there's a bit more evidence to show that Ismay wasn't yeah. actually the kind of evil villain character that... Was. If I was on the Titanic, I'd get in a lifeboat. No question. Yeah. Yeah, I would as well. Yeah. I absolutely would. If I thought I could get away with it, if I thought that people wouldn't think the six foot four person in a wig wasn't <laughs> a man, then I, I would give it a go. But um, yeah, I just think that yeah, A Night to Remember is such a huge influence. Yeah. and I feel like in A Night to Remember, the, the scene with Ismay getting in the boat makes Ismay a lot more villainous because, you know, the, the boat is crowded, surrounded by hundreds of people. Murdoch shoots his gun, yeah. they all run away, and then Ismay gets in. Whereas in 97's film, they show it more realistically where there is no one at the boat. They filled it up. There's no one else to go in because everyone else is still at the back or on the other side of the ship. Yeah, and Ismay... I think he does say anyone else and he is looking about yeah. and then and there's a deleted scene that shows Esme being quite frantic. There's a deleted scene yeah. of Esme like the boat isn't ready to go yet and mm. he's pulling on the davit and and he's screaming and he wants the boat to go and lower yeah. away. And one of the officers has to tell him to basically to F off. Like so that's um or, it, it, that, that actually happened. That was um, Officer Lowe, uh, Fifth Officer mm-hmm. Lowe. Um, Ismay ran over um, and was, you know, quite quite frantically saying, we need to lower the boat, get the boats down, get the boats down. And Lowe, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he, he pushes Ismay back and says, you want me to lower it now? You'd have me drown the whole lot of them. Step back and let me do my job uh, or let yeah. me do my bloody job. And, and one of the passengers makes a remark of something like... Um, he's going to get in trouble for that. Officer yeah. going to get in trouble for that. Um, so that that is based on on an actual event that took place. Wow. Wow. See, I didn't know that. You learn something every day. Because um, yeah. it, it seemed like quite a bold choice for James Cameron to make. And I thought, you know, for to portray Esme, who always seems so kind of calm and collected, like I would understand that you would begin to panic. Yeah. Um, but so... And, and I think, you know, he did cut a lot out and, and he kind of had to, or it would have been a very long film. Hmm. Um, but then if he had added all that in, it, I'd love to see just an entire run of everything that he was, everything he took out. I mean, everything. Yeah. And just sit and watch it. I mean, it would be longer than the sinking itself, yeah. but I wouldn't even care. Like, right. I, I'd sit and watch that and I'd love I've, it. Um, I've, I've found the actual quote here. Um... So Officer Lowe says to J. Bruce Ismay, uh, if you will get the hell out of that, then I shall be able to do something. Do you want me to low away quickly? You will have me drown the whole lot of them. Um, so that's that's the actual quote uh, from yeah. uh, Fifth Officer Lowe. And I, I do, part of what I love about the 1997 film is you can tell that James, that the whole time you're watching it, 
even if you don't know much about James Cameron, you can still tell watching this film that it's a passion project. Oh, yeah. It is something yeah. that, that whoever made this really cared about mm. what we were making and wanted to make something that was as good as possible. Not even just the film. You know, he's he's he um along with the, the I think it was the DVD release of the film, you could also buy a CD ROM which was Titanic Explorer. And that had mm. like deleted scenes and it had scenes in the sinking without the music in the background so you could actually experience it. It had a, a three sixty degree tour of the ship where you can walk through the ship uh, by clicking on like you click on a different part and it takes you there. And like all the stuff that, that hadn't been done before for a film. So you can totally see that he was fully invested on this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that shows. And, you know, for all the people that, you know, disparage James Cameron because it's not accurate or, mm. okay, he said some things about Marvel in the last few years or, well, superhero films in general yeah. that has a lot of people's backs up. And I, I just think, you know, I, I wouldn't say give the guy a break because he, he can come out with things sometimes that are a bit grating and it's like, fair enough. Mm. Um, and apparently he's not the easiest person to work with. But I think a lot of people, it's almost popular now in the Titanic community, not on the whole, but there's like a pop, there's a little subsection of the community where it's popular to hate on the 1997 Titanic, yeah. whether it's because of Dragon Rose, whether it's because, oh, well, you know, we know how it sank now. Yeah. And well, Titanic Honor and Glory did it better. Mm. What we have to remember is that film was so accurate to the information that they had at the yeah. time with the sinking. You know, the, the, before then, people said it didn't split. And then yeah. he's the first one to put it into, you know, a major movie uh, that's mm-hmm. showing, showing the split. We spoke before we started filming of um, Titanic with Catherine Zeta-Jones, where it shows the split. But that was a TV miniseries. This is the first... Yeah, and a miniseries that was kind of rushed to order because of the hype of the film that yeah. James Cameron was making. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, the... The, the, the way it sank and someone watching it would go, that's how the Titanic sank. And it's only now with all this new information, this new science. And, you know, James Cameron's even done documentaries himself with National Geographic where he has shown, okay, I was wrong here. The ship split between the, the second and third funnel. It, it split at this angle. It had this tilt to port and then this tilt to port, starboard. You know, he's, he's corrected himself. He knows he made mistakes, but that's because... In 1997, those weren't seen as mistakes. Those were seen as history. Yeah. Oh, completely. And okay, he might be difficult on set, but I just think the guy's a genius. I mean, even I was watching, like I said to you, I was watching a behind-the-scenes kind of making-of documentary on YouTube of the 1997 film. And it's something I've never thought of before, but it makes complete sense. So they were talking about... um, the engine room scenes hmm. of the the Titanic, like it was a a ship that had basically the same engine, but like a, as the Titanic, much smaller scale, yeah. But on a so it was like one third, yeah, one third. So they built tiny little, well, not tiny, but they built catwalks and ladders and lights and stuff that were also one third of the size, mm-hmm. and they superimposed little digital people onto that yeah but then so that's a a practical set like a real you know engine room with Mm -hmm. catwalks and ladders but then they also would take an image of that and 
use that as a, a fake background. Yeah. So they were using different combinations of like a, a real sky, a painted sky, a digital sky, real water, kind of a painted background of water, digital water. So because they were using all these different elements, it never made one look overused or yeah. fake because they were using so many different ones that looked kind of similar, mm. but also a little bit different. Yeah. And as someone that wants to be a filmmaker one day, potentially, like listening to that, it sounds like, you know, someone else might be like, I don't get it. Why would they do that? Mm. But I'm like, it makes sense because if you're using the one technique all the time, you're eventually going to see it and go, that looks, that looks off or that looks a bit weird. Yeah. Or there's going to be one scene in particular that it just quite like doesn't work. It doesn't really look right. So using a different combination, kind of almost almost randomly, just altering like right for this particular scene, we're going to use it digitally just because I I said so. Like we're going yeah. to do it digital, but then for this scene, we're going to do it practically just because I said so. And using that different combination, okay, it's been twenty three years since the film came out. Watching it now we might see it a bit more because we watch films with, like you said, if they were to remake Titanic nowadays, it would be 90% CGI. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. But back in the day, um, watching that, very few people would have been able to see the difference between all these things. And oh, James yeah. Cameron did that intentionally. And I just think that level of almost kind of sorcery, like a magician, like I'm going to do it all these different ways so that when it's all put together, it will look this way. Yeah, And I just think that's really clever of him to do. Um, so I, I really respect James Cameron, I really do. And it's on a, a sentimental level, it's one of my favorite films, but on a, a practical level and for the achievements it made in filmmaking mm. and kind of pop culture, I just think it's incredible. I think it's amazing. Yeah. It is exceptional. It's one of the, in my opinion one of the best films of all time you know yeah. that's coming from a titanic enthusiast um, <laughs> go figure yeah yeah so in terms of the strengths of the film mm -hmm. what do you think are the key strengths to you that you know you, you've already got the strength that you're making a film about the titanic you know there's so much in there just from titanic there's so much in there. there's so many stories so many things you can do so many different eyewitness accounts you know so th that's already a strength in itself that it's a film about the titanic you know you get it right you've done it because we have seen yeah. things where they get it wrong you know itv's uh series that said it was going to be the most accurate depiction and you know the set was off there was things social etiquette that was completely incorrect uh, cgi that was incorrect ship layout that was incorrect you know but this got everything right. And I think the fact that you had someone like James Cameron behind it and it's the Titanic, that is a strength in itself. You know, and you've got, I think Jack and Rose, is, they've got to be a strength to the film because, you know, they, they hold all the, the film together. They, they, they glue all the scenes together and they also help you introduce different characters. Um, there's a scene where, where Jack comes down to first class uh, to have that lunch with Rose and her family. And Rose is standing there and saying, that's John Jacob Astor. He's the richest man, blah, 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 and tells you about it. This is Lady Duff Gordon. She's a fashion designer who does na uh, naughty lingerie, you know, and we're learning history through these characters. So they've, they've yeah. they, 
they've got to be a strength. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like that alone, you know, you're making a film about something that it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, how many films about the Titanic you've seen. You know, going into it, the the grandeur, the the disparities of first class and third class, and it sinks and a lot of people die. Yeah. You know that, and that premise alone is so dramatic and so kind of overwhelming and overarching and touching. Mm. So that in itself is, that's, yeah, such a huge strength. And then James Cameron, who, you know, he'd made uh, one of the Terminator films, he was just such a kind of prolific movie maker. So to then make something that, okay, originally was going to be just a kind of historical melodrama and became a romance, you know, that was quite shocking to people. People were like, you know, the, the Terminator guys making essentially Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like, re- really? Like, people were quite taken aback by that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a really good point that just, you know, Titanic, James Cameron mm. is a strength. Also, is, is this intentional, Jack Rose, Romeo and Juliet? That's got to be intentional, right? I've always wondered this. Do you mean the the whole the, the, like the way it's portrayed? The, well, okay, so I know it's it's a Romeo Juliet esque story. I mean the names. You have got Jack Juliet Rose Romeo. It took me a while to think that. Jr. Do you know I've never thought of that. Really? But do you know <laughs> potentially just the the J or kind of the, the connotations of yeah. those two? I've I've never Jack really Juliet, Rose Romeo. Possibly. If if it's not, it's like a big coincidence. Yeah. If it is, it's genius. Because on a subconscious level, you've already got that kind of rolling off the tongue. Yeah. And I, I just think any name, and he happened to go for names that have the same initials as the greatest love yeah. story of all time. And it's it's interesting because you know when you say Romeo and Juliet, it just rolls off the tongue. It works. Yeah. So. When you're trying to think of two names that work together, you might as well use two letters that you already know, know work together. Yeah. So, you know, you've got Romeo and Juliet, Jack and Rose. And, and Jack and Rose, when you say that, it just, it works. Yeah. Like, it's just a very effective pairing of names. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've, I've never thought of that. Yeah, that's... I like that. I like that a lot. I'm gonna so when we come off this, I'm, I'm gonna look it up online and see if <laughs> if he if he did um, do that intentionally, um, and if not, then well done for picking up on that. Um, I think personally, one of the main strengths of the film, and it might seem like an obvious one, um, but the soundtrack, yeah, the music of the film, oh my god, is just it's it is one of the best film soundtracks of all time yeah it's it just is it's phenomenal you know to the point where james horner went from you know he'd always been working he'd always been Mm. making music for for film and and even television but he was recognized when he went to the shop when he would hand over his credit card or whatever people would see his name and would ask him are you the guy that made the titanic music and he'd be like yeah yeah and then also my heart will go on you know, he wrote that, and they weren't going to have a, a love theme. No, um, kind of pop. Well, that, they hid that from James Cameron, didn't they? Yeah, like, they hid that and then recorded it, and then said, "Hey, James, have a have a, have a little listen." <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I just think that the soundtrack, the way it uses um, brass and percussion, yeah, 
to for the, for the early kind of soundtrack um for you know take her to see Mr Murdoch and Southampton yeah. and um it the, it sounds like the pistons and the engines yeah. of a ship I, it just sounds like I've that. got to see that one day with a live orchestra that would just be incredible yeah, yeah to see the film with the orchestra or just the orchestra i just to sit in a room with yeah. an orchestra playing that would be because you'd absolutely really feel, incredible. You'd feel the bass and the room you'd feel the room rumbling and it's oh. absolutely insane and, and then even um during i think it's death of titanic um or a building panic i'm not sure but i, I suppose it doesn't matter because it's not like i can produce mm. the, the noise it makes with my mouth but oh, certain go on give it a go you know do a whole orchestra with your mouth that that would be a skill i, I, I want to hear this I'm, I'm not moving on the <laughs> subject until you make the noise from the film but i don't even know what instrument it is it's either a, it's i think it's a mixture of a, to be fair there's probably like augmentation and, and distortion going on mm. with of certain things but it's like a piano and a, of a cello or something and they both work in tandem to and again, maybe he was going for something different, but to me, when I hear it, I think of a floor um, angling. I think of a floor tilting because it just it has this weird. It goes from being a kind of um, major sound to being minor, yeah, with a, a downward kind of. Um, I was going to say crescendo, is it diminuendo? I'm not sure, but it goes down the way and it also kind of go, starts to go minor. But then he also has drums banging, which in the film, at the same time, you've got plates falling yeah. off of the shelf. Yeah. So he has sat and watched the film with his pen and his paper and he's thought, right, we're now watching a floor or a ship, a deck till yeah. or a stern. So I want the sound, the music, to portray it. And for for him, for someone, to say, how do I write a tiny little section of music mm. that portrays the sound of a floor tilting? Yeah. And to do that, and for me to listen to it and go, yeah, and even without the film, to go, yeah, that sounds like a floor tilting. Yeah. Like, I just think that's incredible. Aaron, I've already and we're not moving on until you've made the noise. I can't. I can't make the noise. Come on. Because I can. There you go. Uh, It'd be like trying to make the TARDIS noise. Yeah. How do you make that? I love that that's going to be on the podcast now. Like, everything you said before we hit record won't be ever, but that will be forever. So. Now I want to hear you make the Titanic noise. But I can. So, moving swiftly. (laughs) So, we spoke about strengths. What about weaknesses? Um, oh, you know what? For me, I, I'm going to sound biased because I'm, I'm such a huge fan of the film, but the only weakness that I can think of for this film mm-hmm. is that it's now historically inaccurate. And yeah. that's not necessarily a weakness of the film. That's just time passed on and us learning more. Um, uh, maybe another weakness would be some of the deleted scenes they took out which again it's not a weakness because it was still made for the film but for me there's some scenes in there that I'm like why did you remove that that makes so much sense for this bit to happen and this bit to happen you know there was um, the fight between Lovejoy and Jack 
in the dining room as it's sinking. And it got taken out because the test audience said, you know, it's too much like an action film and it didn't work with the pacing. But then mm-hmm. when the ship splits in two, you see Lovejoy standing there. He's got blood all over his face. Why has he suddenly got blood all over his face? What's happened here? What's happened to him? We've missed yeah, this whole exactly. thing where they're having a fight. There's, um, as the ship's sinking and, you know, your favourite scene, the, the poop deck going vertical. Poop deck. The poop deck going vertical. Yes, I did just laugh at that. And um, <laughs> Rose is standing there and he, she looks to her left and sees this blonde lady, you know, and she, it makes it like a key part of the film. Like, you're like, wait, hold on, who is this blonde lady? But if you look at the deleted scenes, you know, she's a third class passenger from Sweden who is, you know, not not hooking up with, but, you know, he's sort, sort she's sort of flirting with Fabrizio. And like, she's friends with the group with Tommy, Jack and Fabrizio. And they just brush over it. <laughs> I do know. I do agree with that. Um, Olga, I think. Olga, that's her name. Yeah. Yes, the blonde woman. Hmm. I do agree with that. Um, actually, a lot because when I used to watch it, I used to, you know, as the the want to be filmmaker in me, would be like, why is Rose looking at her like that? Like, why is there a slight yeah. smile? Because yeah, because like they're both about to die. When I was younger, I had two theories: one that she was future Rose. And, you know, that's just, that was like six-year-old me going, that's Rose as well. And then when I was a little bit older, I had this image of, oh, she must have been another passenger that pissed off Rose. And, you know, Rose is 17 and she's watching her diet, so she's happy. But then when you look at it, she's looking at her, she's like, oh, I know you. Gives her a smile. And that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine that? That, like, in that moment, you see someone that you really hate and, like, you're also about to die. But you see them and you're like... As long as they're going to... Yeah, all right. That's horrible. <laughs> like, if, if I'm going down, I'm taking you with Just me, a, They deleted the scene of her stamping on her fingers holding onto the rail. And even, actually, yeah, uh, the deleted scene of the fight, which I love mm. the fight. It's so oh, yeah. cool. Like, the fight is just awesome. Actually, I wrote a fan fiction years ago. Oh, God, is this suitable for the podcast? Right. Actually, it's a very tame fan fiction. I'm one of the few fan fiction writers that didn't put any like sauce oh, okay. into my stories. Not fan fiction. Jack and Ro- uh, Jack and Lovejoy started fighting, and then they they embraced. Well, in in mine, I borrow. Uh, so in mine, uh, Thomas Andrews is the romantic interest, and Jack has actually gone insane, and he is just slightly insane. So it's Thomas and Jack that fight in the dining room, and I. So I borrowed just the whole imagery of that. Because I just think it is so fantastic, just that whole scene, like fighting in a, yeah. a room that's flooding. It's just, it's just so cool. Um, like the stakes are already yeah. high, but it does, it does draw it down a bit. But then when you see Lovejoy, when the ship starts to break, he's got yeah. blood on his forehead, and and again, it kind of works because you think, well, you know, the, the yeah. floor is slanting. My he's maybe my, falling. my image in my my childhood head was that. As the ships made that shotgun noise, don't know why they chose a shotgun noise. As it's made that noise, you know, wood has splint has chucked up into his face and it's cut his face up. That's that's what I thought as a kid. Yeah, as James Cameron was probably quite thankful that you know there was something pretty um, destructive happening at that point to kind of explain away the blood on Lovejoy's face um, when there shouldn't really be blood there potentially. Um, but that again, though, I think I struggled to think of weaknesses of the film. Yeah. To be fair, um, the love story—I don't even think it's a weakness because without that, it would just be a couple of Titanic enthusiasts watching. 
element in the film would have been as big. Yeah. No, I was just about to say, how can you see something as a weakness that made a film the biggest grossing film of all time, the highest grossing film of all time? How is that a weakness? It's not weak. It might not be your favourite part of the film. It might even be what makes Mm. you hate the film. But you... Like, it's not a weakness. It's just not. Um, I think there's a few lines of dialogue that are... Although it's a melodrama, it does, you know, or it has elements of melodrama, which, of course, it's going to. I do think there's a few lines that are just a bit yeah. cheesy. And, you know, 1997 wasn't that no. long ago. Um, but, like, for instance, when uh, Trudy says to Rose in Southampton, you know, she's holding her paintings, <laughs> and Trudy says, well, what, what's, what's the artist's name? And Rose says... Uh, something Picasso, and it's just like, yeah, like, come on, like, like some something Picasso. It's like, yeah. okay, we get it. Like, you're referencing an artist that wasn't super famous at that time, but you you could still say Pablo Picasso. Like, yeah. you could say his full name in a a flippant way or a dismissive way, while you know still acknowledging yeah. his full name. When it's like oh, something Picasso, it's like you know. Instead of Carl walking in and saying, you know, he won't amount to a thing. He won't, trust me. He might as well just walk in and say, I bet this ship won't <laughs> sink. Like, randomly, like, they're talking about art and he just walks in, like, half cut at, you know, one in the afternoon and goes, I bet this ship is going to hit an iceberg. And Rose and Trudy are just like, eh, okay, Carl, get drunk, go home. <laughs> it was just a bit, like, on yeah. the nose and a bit oh, cheesy. Um, and there's a few little lines yeah. of dialogue like Sorry, that. Sorry, you brought up Carl and, and now I'm angry. <laughs> Oh, I hate him. Do you not like him? Oh, he's, he's a dos. Oh. Jack, Jack comes down I mean, in his is. perfect suit, looks amazing, and he says, oh, you could almost pass for a gentleman. What do you mean, almost? <laughs> it's better than you. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a, I didn't know you were such a but cow you know hater. I hate him more? And this isn't even in the film, but have you read about Fabrizio's death? Have you read the script? Where Cal hits him with the oar. Do you know? See, just for the melodrama, I wish they'd kept that because it it would have been just so. But I think in the script as well, Rose was meant to. Was Rose not also meant to speak to Cal in the the original script or one of the original versions? Rose actually is found by Cal, and they have a conversation, and I can see why they changed it, because it just, it would not have happened. Cal would have dragged her, kicking and screaming, up to the first class section, oh, and, like, given her to Ruth. On the on the Carpathia, yeah. Um, and, and Rose stands, and says to him, tell her, I'm on the list of the damned, huh. and turns away. And Cal, um, she, and, you know, there's, there is a, a back and forth between them, they speak, and whatever she says to him, and I can't forget, all I remember is her saying, tell her I'm on the list yeah. of the damned. But whatever she says to Cal, it makes him kind of reevaluate and walk away. But he, he just would never have done that. He just wouldn't have, because it doesn't matter what's just happened. You know, it hasn't shaken him that much, because he was still potentially in the script yeah. going to kill someone to to live. Um and even bribe his way on to a boat with a child that he didn't know. So I I can see why they cut it out, because it just it wouldn't have worked, it wouldn't have been that realistic, and I, I prefer 
him just walking behind Rose and, and not seeing hers at all. Um, but, I mean, he is pretty evil. But I like Cal just because I've got a bit of a Billy Zane crush. Um, I'm only human. It is what it is. But he is pretty evil. And then even when they go after dinner to the smoking room mm-hmm. and he says to Jack, um, oh, it'll be all politics. Yeah, you wouldn't be interested. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't be interested. And Jack's just like, okay. I, I, bet, I bet Jack would have loved to have yeah. gone and spoke politics. Like... <laughs> But it's quite guide, oh, like, I, I have just gone back uh, and, and popped the script up. Uh, I, can, I can go through it, if you like, with, with Rose meeting Cal, which I wasn't aware this was a scene. I've definitely yeah. read, because I used to go onto a website called, I think it was, it was like Cloth Monkey or something monkey. And I mean, when I was like eight, so like yeah. years ago, eight or nine, and I loved writing. And I used to go on and read this version of the script. And it definitely had a bit where... But it was it was either in brackets or it was in something, and there's obviously when you write a script you have certain variations of a of a script. So you'll so potentially he would have written, um, Cal lifts the oar and smacks Fabrizio, yeah. killing him. But then under that in brackets you'd have the funnel snaps loose and crushes mm. Fabrizio, killing him. So they'd write multiple variations of something, and they obviously they wouldn't film both because yeah. that would be really expensive. But they would kind of they'd workshop them, or they they would discuss them with mm. like an editor, like a script editor or a producer, and the producer would say like, "Well, no, because you know, Cal killing Fabrizio is just yeah. too evil. It's a bit but too." But the cartoonish. line that Cal has when he says it, um, oh, let's have a look. Uh, 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 here is we go. It something about so Fabrizio America. Says, America's yeah. that way. He points with the you oar. America's over there. I have to get to America. Cal pointing with his oar. It's that way. Demon in a tuxedo, the image fades to black. That is powerful. Mm. Wow. It's a, that's, it's a pretty... I mean, it, it's very, like, pantomime yeah. villain, but it's bloody evil. Like, it's that way, dies. <laughs> like, that's just... It's yeah. very evil. <laughs> yeah. I used to love reading over the script, though, but definitely I've, I've read a script version where um, there's the, the ending, of course, with them talking, um, that I've said, but then there's also the one that we see, where Cal doesn't see yeah. Rose, and Rose is like, phew. But there's yeah, definitely so one I've, I've read. I've got it up here. So, uh, yep. Yeah, Does yeah. it have it? Rose is sipping hot tea. Her eyes focus on him as he approaches her. He barely recognises her. She looks like a refugee, her matted hair hanging in her eyes. Rose. Yes, I lived. How awkward for you. Cal. Rose. <laughs> Your mother and I have been looking for you. She holds up her hand, stopping him. Rose, please don't. Don't talk, just listen. We will make a deal, since that is something you understand. From this moment on, you do not exist for me, nor I for you. You shall not see me again, and you will not attempt to find me. In return, I will keep my silence. Your actions last night need never come to light, and you will get to keep your honour you have carefully purchased. She fixes him with a glare, as cold and hard as the ice which changed their lives. Is this in any way unclear? Cal, after a long beat, what do I tell your mother? Rose, tell her that her daughter died with the Titanic. She stands, turned into the rail, dismissing him. We see Cal stricken with emotion. Cal, you're precious to me, Rose. And then Rose replies, jewels are precious. Goodbye, Mr. Hockley. Uh, We see that in his way, the only way he knows he does truly love her. After a moment, he turns and walks away. And I can imagine Rose mm. saying those lines. Like, I can just 
you know, in Kate Winslet's American yeah. kind of received um, etiquette school accent. What's, I can... what's the thing that Cal's done? Is this the shoot up, the shootout that she's talking about, or does she know about? Well, yeah, them? like you know, he chased them into the bells of a sinking ship, mm. shooting at them, um, and of course there'd be no, it'd be her word against his, so no one. Would, I would believe her. You know, but I mean, and again, Cal is smart. He might be evil, mm. but he is smart. So if Rose tried to, there's there's nothing, and also, Cal knows that she has the, you know, I put the diamond in the couch. Yeah. I put the couch on her. Like he knows. So she's standing there wearing that coat with the necklace, and she's like telling him yeah. off like a schoolboy, and he's. Like, he wouldn't just take it off her. He would. Yeah. He absolutely would. Like, he would just say, you know what, Rose? Shut yeah. the fuck up. And he would wrestle that quote off her, take the necklace, probably slap it or something, and drag her back up to first class and say, look, Ruth, look what I found. A rat. <laughs> like, it, it, he just wouldn't, you know, give up that easily. So I almost feel like James Cameron wrote that as a, mm. I wish... Do you think maybe he's talking about the fact that they planted the diamond on, on Jack? Do you think that might be what she means? And locked him in a ship sinking to die? I mean, she could be talking yeah. about a multitude of things, but even, I think, framing Jack isn't anywhere near no. as bad as... Because when that happened, Cal didn't know the ship was sinking. Yeah. He didn't actually know the ship was sinking until... Basically, when they were waiting for Jack and Rose to come back, because they had only just witnessed the collision. Um, so Ruth, Cal, Lovejoy, um, they didn't know the ship was sinking at that point when he came mm. up with that plan. But of course, when Jack went down to be handcuffed, Cal didn't care. Because, you know, whether he drowns or not, I, it's not my problem anymore. I, I don't care. Um, but I think probably Rose saying, I won't tell anyone what you did last night and telling whoever the media or that Cal did X, yeah. Y, and Z, would people believe her? I don't know. I don't think people would because Cal was such a kind of rich yeah. and powerful guy. I just don't think people would. And she wouldn't have, you know, people wouldn't stand and listen to a 17-year-old, you know. Yeah, they just wouldn't, like, it just wouldn't have happened. And at the very least, they would have been like, can I at least because she hadn't found the necklace then she didn't oh. know the necklace was in there. Um, she didn't find it until they got to New York. So at the very least, he could have been like, "Can I have my coat back?" And she could have been like, yeah. "I guess." Like, <laughs> if uh, like like she says all that, and then he's like, "Okay, I, I, I get it. Can I can I just have my coat?" And she's like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Do you want this coat? So, Jesus! Like, take it. Like, <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> just leave me alone." <laughs> But yeah, I, I remember reading that years ago and it's just, just always stuck with me because, you know, as such mm. a fan of Rose, um, you know, you, you wish you could say that to him, but it just, no. it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. Um, and there's a lot of deleted scenes, like Coda's oh. death, um, when her and her parents yeah. are running up the stairs and the water pushes them up to the ceiling. That's yeah. really Very. intense. Like, I can almost see why they took that out because audiences would have been, like, quite yeah. horrified by that. Yeah. Sorry, there's, a, there's also a deleted scene where, where you see Margaret Molly Brown um, with a drink and she says, how about a little more ice as the iceberg swoops past? Yeah, so it goes from like completely ridiculous to 
you yeah. know, really tragic. Like, which, yeah, like, okay, it might have been good to have the scene with Molly Brown to highlight the fact that everyone was having a good time yeah. and kind of emphasise the feeling of mm. security. Which is actually also another scene from A Night to Remember. So just before the iceberg hits, you see a steward walk up to a glass and fills it up with water and in the water, ice cubes fall. So, yeah, so even that's like almost mm. like an homage to A Night to Remember. Yeah, I like that. Um, it would have been nice to have that contrast, but I do think it was just a bit too, you know, almost similar to the something yeah. Picasso. Like it was just a bit too, too like on the nose, like 1998. It's yeah. too tongue in cheek. Yeah. And then as well, I've, I've seen people saying, well, that, that restaurant or that cafe would have been closed at 11 p.m. Um, as of White yeah. Star Line protocol. And it's like, well, do you know what? It was James Cameron's ship. And if James Cameron wanted the restaurant open at 11.40, then the restaurant was going to be open yeah. at 11.40. Like, that's yeah. just the way it is. Because <laughs> like, the average audience gore isn't going to be sitting there going, I mean, that room is shut. I don't think he made the film to be analysed so scrupulously. Am I using the word right there? Yeah. yeah. I need to be more confident myself. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, there's so many subtleties in there um, with actual historical characters mm-hmm. and, and their placement as well during the sinking. That I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes he did do things for people to go, oh, I know about that. I know about that. You know, um, yeah. you've got totally. Archibald Gracie, kind of Archibald Gracie. Um, as as the boat deck's filling with water, you can actually see him in the background climb up onto the roof of the officer's deck, which he said in his testimony. You can see Lytola scrambling on top of collapsible B, still trying to get it sorted out as the water's coming up, and that's just in the background, sort of blurred out. There's, there's so many things that he has yeah. added in there for, for people who are, you know, enthusiasts to go, oh, look, he's got that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God, you know, he threatening like a bunch that. of passengers with a gun and then turning around, hiding the gun to, to show... The gun wasn't actually loaded, and now he's loaded the gun. You know, he didn't yeah. want to use that, uh, which is, again, true to his testimony. Um, but then he used a lot of things that, that people have said happened, but switched who said it, uh, who had said it. So Lytle said throughout the sinking he was looking down the stairs um, that go from the boat deck down to uh, B-deck. B-deck? B-deck. B-deck? B-deck. Yeah. Um, he says he was constantly See how but then they turned yeah. it into Murdoch, then Murdoch doing that. He's, he's constantly going over. It's at the bottom. It's fine. He goes up. He goes down, looks down, and you see the water flooding through the door and up the stairs. And that's, that's one of my favourite scenes of the film, that just that shot. I love it. It's brilliant. And I can see why they turned it into Murdoch because, you know, being the first officer, um, okay, there was the very unfortunate suicide scene where uh, James Cameron eventually had to oh, actually uh, yeah, give, money to, to give money yeah, to yeah. his family, um, who I think are... Is it Dunblane or is it Dunbartonshire? Sure. It's somewhere in mm. Scotland. There's no hard evidence that that happened. There's there's stories that no, shots came from where it's his sort of position and then an officer committed suicide. And, you know, some people have said it was Wilde. Mm. Some people have said it was Captain Smith. Some people have said it was Murdoch. There's, there's no way of knowing. Yeah, absolutely no way. So I can see because it's almost like yeah. defamation um, to say that. So it was good of James Cameron and... Yeah, 20th Century Fox to give up a, a payout of money um, to not only the family, but this small Scottish 
um, village. But I can see why they turned it into Mordok doing that action of going and looking down the staircase. Because as the first officer, it seems like a very almost like OCD yeah. thing to do. Um, and a, a very smart oh, yeah. thing to do. But then it also is like a visual representation of his A Building Panic, which is a name of yeah. one of the songs of, in the film. Um, and it, it changes his kind mm. of attitude from accepting the bribe from Cal to then knowing how severe yeah. things are and throwing yeah. the money back. But there was there was also complaints about that. And originally in the script, he didn't throw the money back. Um, he shot himself in the head, landed in mm-hmm. the water. And then the shot was supposed to be money was floating around him in the water, which was, you know, the idea of that was further painting him as a villain, which I'm so glad that he got rid of. I mean, he could have gone without the whole him taking a bribe, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And they can say in the film, oh, well, he didn't take it, it was shoved into his pocket. But then when he's at the boat and he says anyone else, he looks directly at Cal. Cal doesn't get in and he goes, all right, cool. Yeah, he, he accepts the bribe. Like, so even if they didn't have the guy kill himself, they had Murdoch accepting a bribe, of, which is just so, like, I'm surprised yeah. they did that. When they were trying to be, you know, they had White Star Line, like, mm. on the cutlery, like, engraved on the cutlery in the restaurant. And yet they were so willing to play fast and loose with a real historical figure who, okay, there was there were loose rumours of someone yeah. committing suicide. But, yeah, they, they really mm. went hard on Murdoch, which I think was But then, I'm not sure if that was James Cameron's decision alone, because in the 1996 film, uh, the miniseries with mm. Catherine Zeta-Jones, you see the exact same thing. You see Murdoch turns around, shoots two people, and then shoots himself in front of Wild, uh, Officer Wild. So... I don't think, obviously, James Cameron and his team would have copied the mm. the miniseries but i feel probably and even with the breakup i think that most likely there were whispers from the yeah. set and the making of the the big film that were trickling down to you know mm. silver screen and they added certain things into Possibly, this miniseries yeah. so the break the breakup uh the murdoch um, I think little things were being influenced by the making mm. of the big film. But one of the things I found really funny when I was watching it last night was they had Catherine Zeta-Jones' mm. character who was not playing Molly Brown. Um, she's just playing a, yeah. a, a woman. Um, but sh- she's doing the whole Molly Brown, yeah. like, we need to go back. We need to go back for Survivors. And it's like, like you know, they, they didn't even have the imagination to make a character, like a, a rounded person with like a story. They just took dialogue yeah. from a real person and put it into this Catherine Zeta Jones character out of sheer laziness. Yeah. Like which I just thought was really funny because I was like, you know, they could have done the whole Molly Brown thing, but they no. just didn't want to because yeah, they exactly. had Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. But yeah, I I think the film Titanic, uh James Cameron's nineteen ninety seven epic, although we've said the epic isn't good enough a word. <laughs> Um, I personally think oh. it still holds up. Um, when when I watch the film, you know, from beginning to end, um, you know, I skipped the whole the kind of modern day stuff just for the purpose of rewatching for the, the this podcast. But when I watch it from beginning to end, and especially the sinking sequence from the ship breaking to completely disappearing mm. under the water, I just think the way that's done, and and how they yeah. done it. 
like to watch that and you know hear the sounds of people hitting yeah. off of railings and you know the water bursting out of windows as air is pushed out of the ship i just think that was all done so incredibly yeah. well and it was really smart of him to put the the explanation in the beginning of the film to to old rose so that we as an audience can understand the sinking when we're watching it so we know what's happening you know under the water because we've watched this little digital animation yeah. that they showed old rose on the keldish um so I, I i think i think it's such a yeah. strong film i think you know it was made it was pitched to the studio less than a decade after mm-hmm. the ship was even found um i just think it is incredibly well made incredibly yeah, well cast definitely. i think that's a, a yeah. brilliant cast i think victor garber thomas is andrews thomas is andrews super. is just i don't think there's a single weak actor in that film no no absolutely not um i can, no i can't even think of one you know the, the two actors that play the yeah. wireless operators um one of whom was in cory uh which <laughs> that i remember him mostly from cory and then i was like wait a minute <laughs> he was in titanic yeah everyone Everyone is just so good in the cast. And I think everyone knew what a big yeah. project this was. So every second that they're on mm-hmm. screen, they are giving it their all. Um, I just think it's a fantastic film. Yeah. I really do. Um, and I think that the people that hate on it as hard as they do need to just... <laughs> they need to realise that this is a film that was made in 1997. And at the time the film was made, this was what people believed to have happened. Yeah. You, yeah, you can't compare Absolutely. a film and go, well, actually, we know this is what happened, so that's wrong. <laughs> and there are. I mean, there are people like that. Um, and all I would say to them is, you know, if one day you have the funds or the team or the resources to make your own, it doesn't even need to be a film, just like an animation or something where you can portray how you mm-hmm. think the ship sank. Yeah. Great. But you're still going to have hundreds of people that disagree with the way yeah. you've portrayed it because there are people that still think the titanic sank the way yeah. that he showed it there's still people that think the ship sank in one piece and possibly split underneath the water no i've seen people say yeah uh, well people said they didn't see it sink so it's possible that as the ship was sinking it split after it went underwater and that's why no one saw it you know mm-hmm. no one's because we don't know for 100 percent what happened Everyone has their own opinion, and we're never going to know. Exactly. You're never going to please no. everyone. Um, but he pleased me. He, I think he, he made a good well, film. I'm glad James Cameron has pleased you. <laughs> you know, like, highest grossing <laughs> film of all time. Jim's, Jim's sitting somewhere being like, yeah. I pleased Aaron, and I, and I, yeah. and I pleased Louis. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. happy with that. That's good. He, yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you? Do you think Jack and Fabrizio would have got on the Titanic as it was departing? Or do you think they would have been told, no, it's gone? Uh, well, do you know, funnily enough, I have been in that exact oh, really? scenario. Um, yeah, I was, I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. Like, um, because we, so I was on a cruise in 2015 and uh, the Norwegian Jade, very big cruise ship. We were in Croatia at the time and we had been in, turkey the day before and there was a group of people that had become friends on the ship 
And when we were in Turkey, um, this group of people, we had seen them uh, walking around the market. And I jokingly said, because we could tell they were very drunk, I was like, I bet they're going to oh, be late my. back to the ship. And my, my partner at the time was like, really? Nah, it'll be fine. And uh, so we headed back to the ship. And lo and behold, oh. this group of people were like pretty late getting back to the ship. And the, the ship was blasting oh. its horn. And it was blasting it more than it should to let this group know. like, Because it obviously knew there were passengers yeah. missing. Um, and that was funny. So we all had a good laugh. They came on. They were very drunk. They had a laugh. Great times. The next day, I don't know what happened. I honestly couldn't tell you. But me and my partner and uh, an American mum and daughter that we'd met um, were in the exact same, but but worse. Because they had obviously gotten to the point where they were like, we're going to just have to go. Like... And they can make their own way to like Greece or whatever it was we were going next. Um, and they were pulling the gangway oh, no. plank up. And I, I'm quite tall and I'm a good runner. And I just sprinted. And I just I was like waving. I was like hello. <laughs> and then and they were very nice. They were very like everyone on a cruise ship is so mm. eager to please. And um, because you know a lot of the guests will tip very well. So even you know people that are being like a, a nuisance or being you know, disruptive, you know, the staff are all just very pleasant. And, you know, they didn't give us a hard time. We weren't made to feel like idiots, even though we are. Um, but it was so, so they, they, they lowered it again. And I, I just apologise, I just kept apologising. But the American mum and daughter were just so gallus. And they were just, oh, it's fine. It happens all the time. And I was like, <laughs> not to me. I was like, I'm a very punctual person. Like, I was so humiliated. Mm-hmm. But the ship was pulling its gangplanks up. Like, oh, they were no. getting ready to yeah. bugger off. Yeah. It was awful. Also, another question that I had. Do you think that Jack would have survived if Rose had stayed in that lifeboat? 100%. I've answered it for you. 100%. Yes. If Rose had just stayed yes. in that lifeboat, but, yeah. Jack would have survived. I, th- I think so, because he wouldn't have had to no. have worried about her. And, and in my eye, he would... He'd have just focused 100% would have, on himself. She would have in the lifeboat. The lifeboat would have gone. Jack and Cal would have separated. And then, you know, I reckon Rose would have been reunited probably with Cal and the family in the Carpathia. And then if Jack survived, they probably would have arrested him again and said, that's the guy that sold the diamond. You know, I don't think it would have ended well <laughs> for him. I think he would have survived. No. That, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think he would have survived if Rose had mm. just stayed in that lifeboat. Um Oh, the music there in that particular scene, when it kind of swells yeah. up the minute she jumps back onto the ship. Um, what's it called? Um, unable to stay, unwilling yeah. to leave. That is such a good bit of music. That is just. But yeah, yeah. She um, <laughs> I love that. She she's trying to jump off a ship when it's not sinking. She jumps back on it yeah. when it's sinking. Like whoever says that, it's it's just so true. It's just so true. Like. Rose is a little bit um, in turmoil. She's an idiot. Louis <laughs> <laughs> is like, let's just call her Spade a Spade. She's an idiot. She's an idiot. <laughs> you would have a better chance of survive than Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he would have survived. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, a, it's yeah. a shame he didn't. But then, like we said earlier, if he had survived, you know, what would be the point? Because it's not meant no. to be a happy ending. Um, or I guess if it's meant to be, it kind of takes away from the real yeah. tragedy of it all. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's been yeah, great. It's been chatting great. To I, you. I feel like we've had a really good first episode. We have. I, I like the fact that we spoke about things that I didn't even know we'd get into, yeah. like the script. Um, like you the, the fine kind of minutiae of the script. I, I really I've enjoyed it. so many notes, and I haven't even covered half of it. I was going to discuss. Yeah, really? I've got stuff like bits in the film that I didn't notice for, like. I'll go through one of them real quick because it was my favourite and I'd, I'd never seen it before, is when they're playing the card game mm-hmm. and you've got the ticket down and you've got the pocket watch, there's also a switchblade on the table. And mm-hmm. later on in the film, as Fabrizio is trying to help release collapsible A, he takes out a switchblade. And I am convinced ah. it's the same one. So I noticed that today. I was like, oh, that's where he got that from. That's clever. That's a yeah. nice little... But potentially, then, it could have been his the whole time. Because if they were betting everything yeah. they owned, it could have been his always. Um, but that's a nice little... I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. There's, it, is, it is one of those films, because there is so much in every single scene. You will notice, even if it's a tiny thing, you will notice something every time you watch it, if, if you're looking hard enough. Even like you were saying, you notice yeah. the scaffolding. Um, which, of course, is something that they didn't no. want you to see. Um but you, yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for it, you will find something just aesthetically pleasing or factually mm. interesting that you had never quite picked up on before, which I do yeah. love about the film. Yeah, there's, there's always something new that you haven't seen before. Definitely. Absolutely. But yeah, it's been a really good chat. I've it's really, great, really you know, enjoyed I've, it. I've, I've let my nerd out. <laughs> exactly. I think I've actually really enjoyed that as well about you know, since starting the Instagram and now mm. starting the podcast, it's yeah. just nice. Because there aren't many people that I can speak, you know, fa- I say face <laughs> to face, but, you know, <laughs> essentially like sit, yeah, for like, because we've been recording for nearly an hour and a half, but we were speaking for, you know, a good 20 minutes before that. So, you know, an hour and 40 odd minutes about yeah. Titanic. And just geeking out over little things. It's it's just really nice to have that and, and even to have the followers kind of watching it as well. Like yeah. they're on it. Um so but yeah, just to to have all of it and to have mm. you and to have this, like I just think it's it's awesome. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah. I've really enjoyed myself. I hope you guys at home have too. Yeah. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast and we will be discussing for our next episode the Californian and the Carpathia. So that will be a tale of two ships. Um, we'll be discussing, you know, did the Californian ignore the yeah. distress flares because Titanic's wireless operators yeah. were rude? Or did they genuinely think they were watching a ship setting off flares at like one in the morning for a laugh and then sail into the distance for a laugh? Like, you know, what, what actually happened? And then just the Carpathia, you know, speaking about the Carpathia and, you know, what kind of job they had to go through in getting the survivors um, and actually the communications that they had with the yeah. Californian um, and then into New York. So I think that should be... I'm really looking forward to doing the research yeah. for this one because the Car- Carpathia and the Californian, I've not done a massive no, amount neither, of reading on. The, I think the only information I have of Carpathia post-Titanic is that she got torpedoed and sank uh, during the First World War. Mm. Um but, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> it sinks. Spoiler alert. It sinks. Uh, I don't know about the Californian, though. So I'm looking forward to doing some research on that. Yeah. Yeah, I am as well. Um, so we hope to see you all um, in the we next do. one. And thank you for joining. We, we hope do. you've enjoyed this first episode of Time to, Time to Titanic. Talk Titanic. Yeah. 
We hope you liked it. If you did, you know, yeah. rate us. How do you rate on these podcast things? Uh, do you thumbs know what? It's, it's, it's different. Yeah. It could be a thumbs up. could be a love heart. Share. I'd say share. Yeah. Yep. Sharing, Sharing is, is always a good and option. COVID. Keep away. <laughs> if you want and, to share the podcast, share the podcast. And if it's YouTube, smash oh, yeah. that like button. Hit subscribe. <laughs> of course, hit subscribe. You've got to you've got to say all those embed things the link, for a, do it for the, the YouTube link to your website to, to your Instagram. <laughs> that seems like such an up and <laughs> statement. Embed the link we should, to your we website. Okay, we're going to do an outro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think this yeah. has been a pretty good outro. Okay. Yeah, and do you know what the best way to end an outro is? Bye. Oh, thank God he's gone. All right, guys, let's talk about... Oh, you're still... (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Was that too impressive? (laughs)